Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're in the book of 2 Thessalonians and focusing on some important truths about when Jesus comes again. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Uh, so glad, as always, that you joined me for uh, the episode. We're in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Uh, but before I dive in, I want to show you my coffee cup. And it is my Let Go and Let God coffee mug. You see that? On the top, it has uh, the verse in Joshua chapter number 1 and verse 9. Be strong and have a good courage. The Lord is with you, with you, whithersoever you go. I'm not quoting it correctly, but uh, it's a great reminder. And it's right on the rim. It's on the rim of the coffee cup. So as you drink your coffee, you're reading a Bible verse. How cool is that? Well, Second uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter two, we're uh, we're in verse number thirteen. But I, I want us to to go back one verse so that we can uh, get the contrast. Uh, that the Apostle Paul is establishing here. So verse number 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a pretty tough verse to start with. But remember, those that have rejected Christ will be sent that strong delusion. They'll believe a lie. And ultimately, their doom is sealed. But then verse number 13 the Bible says, but. So the conjunction, but, expresses a contrast, obviously. So is this bad news for others, but, says the Apostle Paul to this church, to these people, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So in contrast to the horrible future of those that reject Christ is the incredible future and the incredible security of those that know the Lord. So Paul said, listen, all of this talk about the day of the Lord, uh, the questions that you had, the clarification that I've offered now that I've gone through that, let me just say a word to you, and that is, you need not fear. Those that know Christ, those that have received him as Savior, you need not fear. So he creates the contrast, doesn't he? So, but, he says, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. I love that little statement that Paul makes. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Boy, there's a mouthful just in that one little clause. Okay, first of all, we are bound to give thanks. Uh, we have an obligation, said the Apostle Paul, to give thanks for you. So uh, under, what, under what obligation are we to thank the Lord for other people? You know, this is my duty. This is something that I must do says the Apostle Paul, why? Why would he feel it obligatory to give thanks for the Thessalonians? I think for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Apostle Paul saw himself as their spiritual father. Remember, he had been the one that had gone to Thessalonica in the first place. He was the one 
whom God had used to introduce them to the gospel. He had to leave prematurely. He had been, through his apostleship, he had been teaching them and uh, training them and writing them and warning them. So there was a sense of responsibility and accountability that he felt about them. So the sense of responsibility to teach them and to warn them was also a sense of responsibility he felt to thank God for them. I think it's very similar to the way a mom or a dad would feel. Moms and dads, we have children whom God has placed under our stewardship. And we have an obligation to teach them, an obligation to train them. Uh, We are debtors in that sense. Uh, But also we have an obligation to thank God uh, for them, for what God is doing in their lives. Do you see? That's what Paul said. We are bound to thank God for you. Realizing that while I can't be there in Thessalonica, realizing that while I can't oversee everything that you're doing, our God has never left you. Our God has never forsaken you. Our God has a purpose for you, and that purpose continues to unfold in your lives. And so I feel this pressing obligation to say, I'm thankful to God for what's happening, what he's ultimately doing in your life. Uh, do you do you have that sense about how God is working in the lives of those for whom you are accountable, in whose life God has placed you to be an influence? That's important for us to understand. So, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. And then he labels them, brethren, beloved of the Lord. We're bound to give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. So he calls them really by two different uh, titles, I guess you could say. First of all, brethren. Uh, We're bound to thank God for you, brethren. You're our brothers in Christ. Uh, We share the same father. We are in the same family. We are sons of God. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so we thank God for you. There's much to be said in the New Testament about brotherly love. Philadelphia, the, the love, the affection, the commitment, the camaraderie that we feel with other believers. And certainly we ought to be thankful for those other believers whom God has placed in our life. I'm thinking about just a, a good godly friend. I'm thinking about your fellow church members and how important it is for us to be thankful that God has placed us not just as people on isolated islands, but he's placed us in community when it comes to our living the Christian life. So we're thankful for you as brethren, but then he said, beloved of the Lord. And I love that, beloved of the Lord. That makes me think about Solomon. Remember when uh, David and Bathsheba gave birth to Solomon? Uh, the word Solomon has the, as its root the word peace. Remember when Nathan came to visit David and Nathan took that little baby, the offspring of David and Bathsheba, and said, he shall be Jedidiah. And the word Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. So when I think about that term, beloved of the Lord, I think about Jedidiah. And uh, Paul said, but when I think about you, Thessalonian believers, I think about you're my brothers uh, in the faith, but you are beloved of the Lord. You are, you are those upon whom God has set his love. And, and the idea that God loves them, they're beloved of the Lord, 
means that God has loved them and that love persists, that love continues on. They will never be outside of, they will never escape the benefits of God's love. Do you know that there's nothing you can do today to make God love you any more than he already loves you? What a statement. There's nothing you can do today to make God love you any more than he already loves you. God's love is not, is not for sale. Now, does that mean that we can't disappoint God? No, of course we can. Like we can disappoint others in our life who, who love us. But, but we never are in a position where God is going to love us any less. He set his love upon us in the person of Jesus. So uh, Paul says we're bound. We're bound to, to thank God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. But then notice the very key word there in verse number 13, where it says, because. And I love that because anytime you see the word because in the Bible, you're going to find the answer to a why question. So why is the Apostle Paul feeling such gratitude? Why is the Apostle Paul bound to, obligated to offer thanksgiving to God for his brothers, for these that these whom God loves? What's the reason? Well, he's going to give us the reason here. Because, see that verse 13? Because God hath from the beginning, now that doesn't mean from the beginning of time or before the world began. It means from the beginning when Paul met them, when he first gave them the gospel. Uh, Paul uses the same language in Philippians chapter one, when he talks about the beginning of the gospel, when I first arrived at Philippi, and then when he first arrives at Thessalonica, these first converts that were there perhaps in those synagogue days of Acts chapter 17, those first ones that heard the gospel that Paul and Silas and Timothy brought the, the city of Thessalonica, the beginning, that's what he's talking about. So the Bible says, God, verse number 13, hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So what is this first teaching? Is this first teaching in some way that God arbitrarily, way back before the time began, just kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo, arbitrarily selected some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell? No, not at all. The Bible's not teaching that at all. What the Bible's teaching here is that God, from the beginning, uh, chose that that people that believe in Christ, uh, people that have been sanctified by the Spirit. In other words, it's the Spirit of God that is the seal of our salvation. When you believe the truth of the gospel, the Spirit of God enters your life at the very moment of salvation, and He is the seal of, the earnest of the inheritance that we ultimately receive, a, a glorified body, a home in heaven, all of that. So it's the spirit by, by whom God sets us apart unto his purposes and makes us more like Jesus and, and sanctifies us, sets us apart. So what is the Bible teaching? Well, the Bible's teaching that God had, has chosen that believers who are set apart should be part of the gospel just as much as the Jews were. And I think that's what Paul's driving at here. Paul came to town as a Jew, uh, God's chosen people. And when he did, he spoke primarily to Gentiles. 
And I think what he's saying here is God has chosen that all believers in Jesus, God has made it a sure thing that all that call upon Christ to save them, Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, red and yellow, black and white, male and female, old and young, rich or poor, a bond or free, that everybody that would call upon the Lord, that would obey the gospel, that would believe the truth, would be set apart by God's Holy Spirit, would be saved. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, you have a great benefit. And that great benefit is that God, who is not a respecter of persons, has made it a sure thing that Jew and Gentile alike can partake in the wonderful benefit of salvation. God has made that to be so. He's chosen that to be true. Look at verse number 14. We're unto... He called you by our gospel. So Paul said our, I think he's referring to our, the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. Our gospel. We came and gave you our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what has the gospel believed, produced in the lives of the Thessalonians? It's produced salvation. They share in the very glory of Christ, the very divine nature of God. One day they will be just like him, even in their body. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. So what's the point? The point is how thankful I am to the Lord. Why? Because you're brethren. You're beloved of the Lord. Why? Because God chose that you at the beginning of the gospel, that, that those that believe the truth, those that uh, receive the Spirit of God based upon that belief, are those that are part of the the one body, Jew, Gentile, male, female, old, young. Uh, They find commonality at the foot of the cross in a shared gospel message. So what a a great truth that is even for you and me, because we're Gentiles. Uh, But God, by his grace, has given us the same opportunities. He's chosen that we. Uh, can have the opportunity, if we believe the truth, to enter into those same benefits that the Thessalonians did as well. Well, I've taken a little bit too much time today, but I hope that makes sense. Hope you have a great day in the Lord, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.